Catholic Channel on Sirius XM 129 presents America This Week, a smart Catholic take on faith and culture with Father Matt Malone and Carrie Weber. Good day. You're listening to America This Week, a smart Catholic take on faith and culture. I'm Carrie Weber, executive editor for America Media. And I'm Father Eric Sundrup, filling in for Father Matt Malone. And each week we offer you the news and analysis from the intersection of the church and the world, gathered by our team at America Magazine. And with us today is one of those team members, Ashley McKinless, an associate editor for us. Hello. Welcome. Glad to have you. Great. Glad to be here. Very good. Uh, later in the show, we're also going to be talking to uh, Father Thomas Moore Garrett, a Dominican priest who's an associate vice president and associate general counsel at Providence College in Providence, Rhode Island. Father Thomas Moore Garrett, welcome to the show. Good afternoon. How are you? Greetings to you from um, Providence College, a place that ought to be familiar with um, you, at least, Carrie. <laughs> yes, that is correct. I'm quite ha- familiar. Having, having spent some time here. some At least some four years there, in fact. Um, in intense study, I assume. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and, yeah, but actually, I mean, that... Um, it, Providence College, I think, is a is a good example of of trying to harmonize so many of the things that people need to think about before going out into the world through like the development of Western civilization classes and things like that because um, it really lets you understand sort of the context of the world where our culture has come from and then where it's headed to and this is some of the things that are kind of playing out in in your article. Um, I wonder if you can talk a bit about. Um, why you decide to focus on Kickstarter as as a corporation showing some effort for sort of responsibility? Well, for me, it starts with the Book of Ecclesiastes that um, <laughs> some of your familiar, some of your <laughs> listeners might be familiar with. Begins sure, with naturally. The line, vanity <laughs> of vanity. <laughs> vanity of vanity. The preacher says, "All is vanity." And there's a part in that book where one of the things that the um, that the speaker in the book of Ecclesiastes does is develop something of a business, which he has a great deal of success with. And then he looks back and he thinks to himself, well, what is the point? I still yet do not feel satisfied. I still, I still see no point either in my efforts or in my success if it's merely to produce material gain, which will eventually either be exhausted or um, perhaps taken from me. Um, now, that line, or that book, I should say, in its entirety, always resonated with me. And um, in my practice, at some point, I came across this idea of a benefit corporation law. And a benefit corporation law is um, meant to provide something of a deficiency that existed. So consider, consider a business, right? Much of business is engaged in through a corporation, now, generally speaking, there are two types of corporations. All right, one is a um, a for-profit entity that is that is um, incorporated for the purposes of carrying on a trade or a business. Right, generally for the sake of obtaining some pecuniary gain or profit for its owners. And then the other is a non-profit, a corporation formed for some other reason aside from making profit. And many of these are either tax exempt or at least tax advantaged. Now, a benefit corporation is designed to be something of a hybrid. It's a profit-making corporation. It offers a trade or a business in the marketplace, and it needs to make profits in order to survive. But it subordinates. It subordinates in its charter documents and in its very purpose 
um, its money-making activity to some other social or public goal. Kickstarter itself is um, certainly one of the most popular and among the earlier of the benefit corporations in this country. And that's probably what turned my attention to um, Perry Chen and his company there in Brooklyn. Yeah, it was uh, an interesting um, interview you had with him. And I wonder, now, just a logistical question about being this type of corporation. Are you then, if you are labeled as such, obliged to, like, if you start making too much profit, do you get in trouble? You know, are you obliged to kind of hold yourself to the standards that you write according to law? Or is it sort of a uh, self-regulating process? Well, uh, kind of a combination of both. Um, and the way I would answer that question is certainly there are no limits on the on the profits that the entity can um, gather. I should say revenue that the entity collects. What the social benefit corporation law is designed to do is steer those profits to certain areas. So let's take Kickstarter, for example. Kickstarter has written in its charter a certain multiple that limits the amount that its executives can make relative to its lowest paid employees. It commits itself to um, passing on 5% of its revenue to certain designated third-party charity recipients. And it also allows for its employees to take um, work time to be devoted toward volunteer efforts. So it's not, it's, it's not a, a limit on um, its business success. The, um, the, corp- the, the law is designed more to steer or share or disperse. Um, the profits that are obtained through the business. Now, how is it enforced? Well, chiefly, the chief may, the chief mechanism for enforcement is going to be through its shareholders. So a benefit corporation, like any for-profit corporation, is going to have shareholders. And those shareholders have a right to insist that the corporation itself it, and its directors and officers and their management of the entity adhere to the public or social benefits designated in its Articles of Incorporation or its bylaws. And there, there is means through the law by which they may seek to enforce them if they believe the directors and officers are failing to do so. So in, in the article, you, you talked about um, th- that being an important uh, component because a lot of corporations are driven solely to one end, it, legally at least. The, the investors have to guarantee that you know maximum drive to profit, and to drive for just one you know material end, you you identified as, as you know that's the definition of a sociopath. And this this is this this adding this in allows these to become you know corporations that are human more. I mean, humane or more human. Yeah, uh, Perry himself, Perry Chen had had this kind of um, interesting analogy he created, which is which which he drew from a, an earlier documentary um, called The Corporation. Uh, but what what Perry was essentially saying is that, specifically in the law, um, corporations are often deemed persons. All right, there's we live in a country where corporate personhood is a um, a live legal theory. All right, well if the corporation is a person. And we say that the purpose of this person is to maximize profits at basically all costs within boundaries, within legal boundaries. Well, if we applied that same standard to a human person, we would think of that individual as a sociopath. Um, Perry points out that no one does that in their real life. Uh, We have to balance different interests. Um, Those interests might change uh, throughout our lives, uh, but no one gets up or at least or at least few, if anyone does, gets up every day with the sole purpose of making as much money as humanly possible to the, to the, um, to the loss of all other considerations. Uh, 
Yeah. So, so this broader, the broader set of goals that um, public benefit corporations have, what does that allow them to do in terms of, um, you know, maybe filling gaps in the market, uh, the goods and services that for-profit companies might not provide because it's not profitable enough? Well, let's let's um, consider the problem that it's designed to solve, um, and that problem connects to the fiduciary duty that officers and directors owe to the corporations that they manage. Now, through a series of um, corporate law decisions and financial pressures, um, basically the officers and directors have to manage the corporation in the best interests of the entity. And that's come to be understood as acting in the legally and financial best interests of the shareholders. All right? And further, that has been reduced to maximizing private wealth all right? um, by, the, by the legal regime that um, governs corporate entities and by the, by the financial community that um, participates most directly in its capital-raising efforts. All right now, it's not exactly clear... Um, why maximizing private wealth ought to be the sole goal. Um, Corporations themselves are creatures of social policy. They're creatures of public law. And they're granted certain privileges by society, chiefly a liability shield that allows the individuals practicing through a corporation to avoid exposing their individual assets for the activities of the entity. All right. Now, since they have a state-granted privilege... Um, because of that state-granted privilege, it ought to follow that they owe some sort of social responsibility aside from generating private wealth. Now, the law has not gone more or less in that direction. Um, There's a seminal case on this matter. Um, It it dates back to 1919, and it involves some very popular corporate figures, um, Ford and um, the Dodge family. And in that case, uh, Ford wanted to Um, make some significant investments in expanding its plants, um, paying its workers higher salaries. And the shareholders, the Dodge family, objected um, because in order to pursue these investments, Ford was going to um, at least delay the payment of its dividend for a period of time in order to finance the expansion. Uh, The Dodge investors wanted their money now. Now, they won the case on the basis that Um, The directors do not have a decision or don't have the authority to divert corporate profits to pursue non-financial goals. Um, And a whole body of law developed from that principle in um, the case called Dodge v. Cox, uh, or excuse me, Dodge v. Ford Motor Company. But in any event, the social benefit corporation is designed to allow the directors and officers to take other considerations into account when making decisions for the corporation chiefly other stakeholders, the community that it's engaged in, um, the employees, the suppliers who participate in the business, um, and also uh, environmental concerns. And what what the statute does basically is provide breathing room for these directors and officers to take into account these further considerations. Um, Father, I had a question, you know, you've been describing, which I think is really helpful for our listeners to hear, sort of the, the 
the law and the and the cases that have brought some of this stuff about how you know we treat corporations as 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 people but we don't demand them to act like like people we don't have any you know we give them protection from liability and there's certain benefits given uh, as a society in our laws but we've not actually made a a demand um you know that they give back and set up and this this is one of the ways that this can come about in the article you talked that there's about 5000 benefit corporations in the United States right now um you mentioned kickstarters what this article is about uh, patagonia is another one I, I, I kind of have a like a little broader question. Do you think that um, that's enough to start shifting our awareness on this, or do you would you want to see more? Uh, are, are these growing? Are they shrinking? What's kind of what's going on in the larger picture of these types of benefit corporations? Well, a couple of things. One, the legislation is um, not yet ten years old. Um, the first state to pass the legislation was Maryland in 2010. Um, so while 5,000 is, um, relatively speaking, a, a pretty small number. There's well over a million corporations um, incorporated in the state of Delaware alone. Uh, I think that this is one vehicle to um, expand social, ent- social enterprise, but there are several others. Uh, there are third-party certification efforts like um, B- B-Lab is a very popular one. Um, and there are other initiatives. You were talking about one earlier with a guest, the Miller Center. So I think this is part of a broader pie. I don't think it's the only way that um, socially-minded business folks can pursue um, social enterprise. Yeah, so in your article, uh, you mentioned that Perry Chen, the co-founder of Kickstarter, um, found himself in agreement with Pope Benedict XVI's uh, social encyclical Caritas and Veritate, um, in which Benedict wrote that um, the distinction between profit-based companies and nonprofit organizations can no longer do full justice to reality. Um, so how do you – do you see um, public benefit corporations as in some way – um, incorporating Catholic social teaching into the way that they do business? Well, you know, when I went to see Perry, I, um, I didn't come without gifts, and uh, <laughs> I took with him. It was hard to part with, but I took with him a pair of rosary beads I had blessed by Pope Francis. Ah. Uh, now, I didn't, I didn't have them blessed for him, uh, but, <laughs> but I didn't want to come without a gift. Uh, so I did, I did part with those along with um, both Laudato Si and Caritas and Veritate. And Perry and I actually spent a little bit of time um, going through the language of both, going through parts of, um, parts of the encyclicals that I've kind of flagged for him. And, um, you know, it's, it, it, at one point I said to him, Perry, um, in a certain way, you sound, and speeches you've given sound much like these two figures here, the two popes. And um, he certainly did agree with, um, with the one you cited <laughs> earlier about um, the need for some sort of space of, of, of something that is a profit-based entity that isn't solely designed for the sake of seeking profit. And then Perry went on to talk a little bit about his experience as an entrepreneur. And um, for folks who enter, enter the entrepreneur space, and I did a little bit of this in, uh, in a previous life before, before becoming a Dominican um, a popular term is that you want to have an exit strategy. And typically, your exit strategy is going to be either um, bringing the company to the, pub- to the public market, an IPO, or else selling the entity at a high multiple to a, um, another entity. Um, and that's, those are the two main exit strategies that um, budding entrepreneurs have in mind. 
neither of those two avenues were attractive to Perry. So what he was looking for, and his two, count, two co-founders were looking for, is a way to attract outside capital without having to sacrifice the very purposes for why they founded Kickstarter to begin with. Um, and a benefit corporation model um, was something that, that fit their idea. Now, they weren't originally founded as one. Um, they made a decision to become a benefit corporation later on after having started the entity. Um, but as they expanded... And as the platform became more popular, uh, I think Perry became more convinced that this was suited with the idea that he had in mind for this entity. And and what were his goals starting Kickstarter? Well, I think it's probably best captured in in the corporate motto, which is helping bring creative projects to life. You know, Perry tells this story about... Perry was involved in business, or excuse me, was involved in music, and and, um, part of his business at the time before with Kickstarter was um, promoting musical acts. And there were a lot of artists, um, music artists out there that Perry knew there was a market for, but there just wasn't a well-heeled patron who was willing to put the capital behind um, popularizing this particular artist uh, to allow them to succeed. But he knew that if there were a way to collect small amounts of money, that the number of individuals existed that would be able to provide those resources. That formed the initial spark for Kickstarter. Perry did not think that um, creative artists should be disadvantaged just because they, quote-unquote, don't know the right people. And he thought that Kickstarter would be a way that would provide a bridge for these artists and millions of other people who may be willing to support their idea. Now, in the article, you also mentioned Larry Fink, who's the chairman and CEO of BlackRock, which is a multinational investment firm. And he states that uh, in a letter to business leaders, society is demanding that companies serve a social purpose. And he says that, you know, he agrees with that, that, but they must prosper over time and serve, you know, stakeholders, shareholders, employees, customers, communities, etc. And uh, Perry Chen of Kickstarter seems to be a little skeptical of of this attitude, and I wonder if you think some companies are trying to kind of make uh, ch- channel some of this uh, benefit corporation, some of the values of these benefit corporations, sort of to basically to further their own profits as well. Like that, they see, you know, this is this might be a good way to um, to sign on to some of and get some good press, but still uh to still make a lot of money and does it matter does it matter why people do this you know if it if they're doing the right thing does it matter if they're really focused on the the benefits for the people or the benefits for the shareholders well i think that's one of the suspicions that um perry had i think also um what didn't impress him about the part of larry fink's letter that i read to him was that it was still focused on um, the company's performance, still focused on um, the company's financial performance specifically. And Perry thought, Perry thought what we really need is an inversion of values. Um, it's wishful thinking to believe that corporations will become a vehicle for building better communities if those corporations remain focused simply on pecuniary gain cloaked in different language. Um, does it matter whether they would pursue Uh, social benefits merely because those benefits are in vogue uh, for the sake of the marketplace? Well, I can't answer for Perry, but I do think that um, that question connects with what the author of Ecclesiastes is um, asking himself. 
Um, it's not necessarily an external contribution that will matter. It's what is the business doing to me? Um, we are we are in a sense forming our soul in the workplace. How we conduct our business, how we transact and relate to one another, our coworkers, the folks we deal with in the business world, all those things have a, an accumulative effect on developing our character and affecting our soul. And I do think that a um, corporate model like Kickstarter, like the Benefit Corporation, that day-to-day instills within its workers, or at least tries to instill within its employees, the notion that we are here for some reason other than making money for the owners. We want to do that too. This business fails if we cannot make a profit, but we also want to do something else. I think that has both external and internal change. The external change is probably not something to dismiss. I think that in and of itself can have social value. Um, But the internal change, I think, is the important spiritual component that um, connects well with what Perry Chen and other benefit corporations are trying to do and with the, um, the recent popes and with what the recent popes have been saying about the purpose of the marketplace. So we, we've been talking, it's easy, we've been comparing um, public benefit corporations to profit, for-profit corporations, um, and it's kind of easy to see how they could be a maybe more humane alternative. Um, what makes them a, a worthy alternative to nonprofits like that we all work for. <laughs> are there are there things that a that a public benefit corporation do, can do that a nonprofit wouldn't be able to? Um, yeah, uh, certainly um, making profit and returning to returning money to its investors is probably <laughs> the chief difference. Um, but I, but 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 that's obvious. But is that but, but is that it, necessary it, to pursue the kinds of services and goods they're providing? Well, I do think that profit is a good motivator, and it's a good motivator of activity. Um, and it's not something that um, that I that I think we want to di- that we want to um, to dismiss as having its own social benefit itself. I mean, even even um, John Paul II and Sententiamus Annus especially um, spoke to profit providing its own kind of regulatory benefit of worthwhile activities. Um, people need to earn a living. Um, people need to find ways to. Um, support themselves and their families. So a, a, a total nonprofit world would be very difficult to see in our culture and in our society. A um, benefit corporations don't want to compete or enter the space of um, the nonprofit world. What they want to be able to do is steer part of that um, pecuniary seeking capital that is um, present in our economy. Uh, in a way that um, can be socially beneficial while also um, gainful in a material sense uh, for its investors. Now, we just have two minutes left, but I wonder if you could quickly just say if anything about your visit to Kickstarter and your conversation with Perry Chen surprised you. Is there anything you kind of uh, took away that you weren't expecting? Well, one thing that surprised me is... um, Perry Chen doesn't seem to have an office. Uh, he, uh, <laughs> he works in different areas. He works in different areas throughout the throughout the space that they have. And um, while I do think that that it's not uncommon to read about 
workplaces like Kickstarter that are uh, more informal. Um, certainly, we um, see something of that in what we read of the Googleplex. Um, Kickstarter has something of that vibe present to it. But it did surprise me a little bit that that um, the CEO, Mr. Chen himself, doesn't doesn't have a central workplace he works from. Right. He's well, accessible. he's accessible to his other workers. That seems. And, sorry. Go ahead. No. Yeah. We're just out of time. <laughs> um, but thank you so much, Father Thomas Moore Garrett. Um, I hope that you do have some formative office to go back to um, <laughs> yourself. And we're really grateful for you taking the time to be on the show. Will you come and visit us back here at uh, <laughs> I will. College sometime thanks. soon? All right, All right. great speaking with you. Thank you, afternoon. and thanks for listening to America This Week. To subscribe, call 1-800-627-9533. For Ashley McKinless, Father Eric Sandrup, and myself, have a great day. You're listening to The Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129.